If you're looking to start a podcast, the best place to start is Anchor. It's free. The creation tools allow you to record and edit the podcast right from your phone or computer. And Anchor will distribute the podcast for you. So you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Uh, You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And it's easy to do everything to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Dan, introduce yourself, please. Hey, everyone. I'm Danny Taverner. And I'm Trey Epps, and this is Required Watching. You came in far too smooth on that one, so it it took me off balance. (laughs) Listen, this is Required Watching, where we watch the essential films from lists of cinematic influencers and look at them through the lens of learning about filmmaking and how to move forward. Jeez Louise. I don't know about you, but my nerves. My nerves are are definitely... No, I was going to say I'm shaken. I'm not shaken. I'm actually quite excited to be talking about this movie. We're talking about 1960s classics here. This is one movie that I feel like is on every list of required watching. And I'm a little disappointed in myself not having seen it before. I have to agree with you. I've (laughs) never watched this movie in full. Oh, I think I'm also disappointed in you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm also very disappointed in you. Uh, I don't think I've seen this movie in full. And honestly, as I was watching it, I was like, have I ever seen this movie? Like I've seen a clip, of course. Like we all seen a like the one clip, right? Yeah. I I actually started the question of ever seen the movie at all because I think I only ever know about the movie like like secondhand, like from some sort of reference on in in pop culture. Yeah, it's like so many of these other quote unquote required watching movies that are so ingrained in our culture that we're like, oh yeah, I mean, I must have seen it because I know. I know the premise. I know the big twist. I know everything about it. Nope, never seen it. I, I don't think I've ever seen the movie. So shame on both of us. I'm sure anyone listening, uh, and there's quite a few of you, so keep listening. It will be very disappointed in us. But to say officially, we are talking about 1960s Hitchcock classic Psycho. Listen, it's who's the star? Janet Lee, Anthony Perkins, Vera Miles. John Gavin. It depends on who you include in what I'm going to call the main cast. And I I don't say this not knowing. I I, I say this truly not knowing how to distinguish who the main main cast is and who the supporting uh, characters are. Uh, Of course, the main cast would be all of these involved, but you know what I'm trying to say. Of course, we know. I think the main main cast is a Mr. Norman Bates, owner of the Bates Motel. This movie made me want to watch that show, Bates Motel, which I, d- I did watch up until I believe the last season. So I never actually saw, I never actually, I, like the last season of that show kind of overlaps with the film. So I never actually saw any of that stuff. So even when there was a chance for me to be very connected <laughs> to this movie, <laughs> I opted out. Uh, and if you guys haven't seen it, it's, it's about a Phoenix secretary who embezzles $40,000 from her employer's clients and then goes on the run. She then checks in to the infamous Bates Hotel or Bates Motel run by a young man under the domination of his mother. I feel like it's hard just to not spoil anything about I this know, movie. I feel I like we may already have. So let's. I mean, obviously, if we're going to spoil it, but. 
Yes, of course. But let's let's just jump right into it because we like again. It's it has. I feel like it has such a rich history, and I guess we'll get into some of the reasons why. But can I can I tell you about the one thing I knew about this movie? Mm. And I knew. I knew that the main character died midway through. See, I didn't know that. From a, <laughs> I mean, I should have put two um, two together because the shower scene, the one that everyone's seen, like the right, arguably one of the most famous Hitchcock scenes, happens like a third of the way into the movie. No, I I, I did clock it at some point, but it happens a good forty something minutes into the movie. But I always thought, real- oh, that must be the big finale of the movie. Nope, not at all. <laughs> There's so much more going on. There's so much um, more. So that I, I went in knowing that, and I felt like it was important. I, I felt like I that stuck to my mind because I know that it hasn't been done before. Mm-hmm. Uh, like obviously, it's been done since, but it's not something that that happened. And I, and I do still think that killing off the main characters is something that's relatively new. But I went to I went into this again, not knowing anything that was going on. Why is the secretary like the like? Ooh, the secretary is, you know, this unmarried secretary is sleeping with another man. Like they're having this affair. He's paying off like his ex wife and alimony, and they can't be together. Like I, I understood what was happening, and suddenly I had no idea what was going on because, in in a good way, in a way of like. I'm intrigued and I'm sucked in because I want to see her get away with taking this money. Mm-hmm. And it felt like, it felt like the setup was both very long and also so short that I felt like I was just thrown into the quote unquote adventure part of her story, which was, I'm, I need to go back to my, I need to go back to my lover and get away with taking 40 grand. Yeah. I, I think that's what's so great about Hitchcock is that like, the pacing is so perfect. It's it's like, amazing. It, they all just it starts off just ready to like just out the gate ready to go. You learn so much so quickly. But then they kind of like let it sit a little. And it's just I don't know, before you know it you're like, "All right, I'm in. I'm 100% invested. I want her to get away with this. I want, I want it, like what's going to happen with the $40, which with inflation, that's like a couple hundred grand. Which is, which is wild because you think, you think which, wh- how is she going to get by on 40 grand? Like how, like what, what's going to happen? Cause she's going to be in big trouble. That's not, it's not a oh, small yeah, amount you of know money. She's going to get caught. Like <laughs> it's a small, it's a small office she's working in. Only so many people were holding the forty grand <laughs> that she was supposed to bring to the bank, and but but you're on board, and I think, and I hate to get technical so soon, but I feel like we just talked about uh, Showgirls, where it lacked all of this technical abilities. Mm-hmm. That this, like, when we when we talk about this one, all I can all I can see is how it's so technically perfect. Just in how we're introduced to Mary, is it is her name Marianne? How we're introduced to Marianne, and yeah, sorry, I had to confirm. We're introduced to Marianne, and just we, like we feel bad for it. like we want her to be with her man, and when she takes the money, I don't feel bad that she's t- taking it. I don't feel bad for the guy because he was being a sleazy guy this entire time. So she runs and decides to take this money. And you're like, go on, girl. Like, yeah. it's, the le- it's the least he can do for bugging you that day for those 10 minutes. 
it's like a I don't know what the proper term for this genre is, but it's like the justified criminal. You're like, I I I know what you're what you're doing is wrong, but I'm I'm still gonna support you. I mean, I think I think this is I think you're absolutely right. And I I, I think about I don't know why we always think about uh, Breaking Bad when we think about likable villains or, mm-hmm. you know, un- unlikable heroes anyway. But I think, she, I think she's meant to be like this unlikable person. How could a woman in 1960 do such a treacherous thing? Like, this isn't something that we're meant to be, like, proud of. Especially like, at this time, 1960. We're not supposed to be prou- proud of this woman who's unmarried, sleeping around, Maybe not around. I don't know how many partners she has, but like she's committed to this guy apparently, and then stealing forty thousand dollars. That's like that's unfathomable. Yet, as an audience member, for me, and I think clearly from everyone, which is why this is so popular, is that everyone's just strictly on board. In the next hour or whatever it is, a little less than an hour, your world gets rocked. Is it because she's stealing from a bank? You think? I, I I'd like to. Th- I don't know, I'd like to. I, no, I'd like to think it's because this guy was just being so gross <laughs> that she. No, I mean, listen. If so, if someone came in nice and dandy and was like, "Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing some work with your boss. I'm gonna pay for the land or whatever it was with cash." Like, here you go. I think she'd have much more of a moral dilemma to taking this. I'm not saying she doesn't have a moral dilemma, but I think like because of how awful he is, yeah, it makes she lot, sees the opportunity. A lot easier. Yeah, she's exactly. She sees that opportunity, and she and she recognizes that he is a jerk, and is like, "I'm gonna go for it." But then we see, but then we see her go on this road trip journey to was it? It was Northern California. I don't remember I think the town, in, right? Like, Bakersfield, like mid middle sure. California. But, but no, there. Uh, so like, it started out like she's in Arizona, and then they and she drives yeah. to drives to uh, California, and this cop stops her, and it's actually sorry, just to go back, someone sees her from work as she's driving out of town, and I think, damn, she could have taken a back road. She, <laughs> she 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 couldn't have gone any other way than this major street. The amount of people uh, where, she runs into and almost gets caused before she even gets to the hotel. It's like, what are you doing? You got to think this through more. You got, yeah, exactly. And I think, but it's all, again, all easy things, right? Like, I think anyone writes that now and you're like, of course she ran into her. Like, if, if I wrote a movie right now and I did something wrong and I run into a coworker who, you know, from a company that I'm trying to get away from, it would seem kind of tropey. Like, of course. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? It, it just, it wouldn't have that same suspense and I almost think like this, I don't, it's not low stakes suspense, but like this very gentle and subtle moves being played. Like nothing was in your face except the cop. The cop was the only thing where it's like, I'm going to pull you over and, and she's follow the, you for hours. And follow you. <laughs> and then follow you as this music is going on. So I think as an audience member, you feel so tense for her. And you recognize all the things, especially now in 2020, you recognize all the things that she's doing wrong that's only causing attention. So you're like, yo, you're about to get caught. Like, there's no way you're getting out of this. It's the cop, like, in the background. Like, when she's at the car dealership or garage, 
the cop is like walking through the parking lot in the back and you just see him and you're like oh no he's gonna ask the guy yeah 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 but it's a, it's such a big deal it's such a it's such a like if for nothing that's happening on screen it as an audience member you feel what's happening then Which again, being suspicious she hasn't given away that she's done anything she's just right. acting like mad sketchy exactly exactly and again for a woman at this time that's all you need <laughs> but but we did it we did so hitchcock did something really interesting that i thought was really fun which was like when she initially took the money the way the audience learned that she took the money was just this one scene at her at home packing and i think it was like a panning shot of her we see her packing and then the camera lands on the money mm-hmm. in her bag or on the bed or whatever it was and I thought there was no words spoken in this scene, and you know everything going on. And I think, and that happens a few times with, like when when Norman's at home and we go through his house, ha- like the house at the hotel, like this these these small moments with the camera work that I was like, this is making the movie. It's I it's know everything purely in the way that like people carry themselves and like how they interact with like the room they're in. It's like that. Exactly. Model. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, I, I feel like when we get into these conversations, these kinds of conversations, I just feel like I'm being a movie nerd, which <laughs> I don't always like feeling like, cause I feel like I'm just like, Oh, Hitchcock is the greatest, but he kind of is. You also <laughs> like, oh, I, I understand the hype. <laughs> I, under, I understand the hype. I do. Because look, listen, just like how Jaws is great. I have no interest in watching Jaws, by the way. Just like how Jaws... <laughs> I've seen it. I've actually, I've seen the movie. The same way that Jaws is great because of the restrictions that Steven Spielberg had with the animatronic shark, the restraint that Hitchcock was, like, mastering during all of this, like, there, like, there wasn't any blood. We didn't see a knife enter anyone. We saw a knife get very close to skin. We didn't see, like, to today's standards, we saw no sex and violence. Like, Everything felt implied. I'm sure at the time, people were crazed about this, right? Like, I'm sure it was a big deal. But for right now, 2020, I watched this with what I felt like was as fresh of uh, a fresh of a pair of eyes as I possibly could. And I still didn't know what was going on. Like, I didn't, I couldn't anticipate the next thing. Which makes it or how I would feel. Because you're not given anything outright. You're not, like, handed anything. Right. So the thrill and like the suspension comes from your own imagination. You're just like, I know generally what's going to happen, but I don't know what's going to happen immediately. And that's the scary part. Like, how are we going to get to, I mean, maybe this is us watching it in 2020, but it's like the shower scene. I know we're going to get to that shower scene. I don't know how or when that's going to happen. But you know it's coming, and you don't know what's going to happen after this. You, you know, don't. right? There's just like a but, an overarching like eeriness to everything, which is honestly, which is kind, which is great. And I think, I think another aspect that lent a hand in that was what I I don't even know how to describe it, but she's on the road and making her journey to California or through California, and she has like. She doesn't hear it, but it's almost like a scene is playing out as voiceover. And this happens a couple of times. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, I think the first one was 
with the cop asking the cop was asking the the used car salesman about her about Marion. Oh yeah, and but but all we see is Marion on the road driving. Like we don't waste any time watching the cop have this interaction. That's yeah, a boring just, scene, like, right? Condenses those two scenes into one. And that, again, that happens a few times where I'm like, I I appreciate the fact I appreciate the fact that we are listening to a scene playing, but watching something completely different, and that character doesn't know what's following them. Yeah, like, that he, character doesn't he, know the world around them. He gives us like insight into the other characters as kind of a like a wink and a nod. It's like, hey, this is what's really going on. We both know. They don't know. Right. <laughs> well, exactly. And she eventually gets to to Bates Motel, and like she has to pull over because of the weather, and we meet Norman, who... Anthony Perkins, the actor, who is... If you look at his credits, essentially just gets typecast as Norman Bates for many, many years. I think five movies total not to mention whatever else he had to do for this role. I don't know, dude. I, I really liked it. I haven't seen any of the sequels. Spoiler alert, alert, there are sequels to this movie. Yeah, I think there's five of them. Yeah, who, uh, who is it? Who is it? Uh, Gus Van Zandt? Is that right? Sounds right. <laughs> I could be making mine up. I really don't know. <laughs> I actually want to... I want to see it. I'm not going to take my time out now to see Gus it. But yeah, yeah. Starring Vince Vaughn. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a weird cast. It's a very strange cast. I mean, I'll say, when you first meet Norman Bates, he's a pretty sweet guy. <laughs> I mean, isn't he? I'll make you a sandwich. Be hungry. Like you should hang out. Take your shoes off. And then it goes terribly, terribly wrong. And we get to the halfway point. Like right before the halfway point where she someone said this is the end of the first act. And I was like, if this is the end of the first act of like where we're at the halfway point and as far as runtime goes, I don't know how we're calculating this. But as an audience member, you only you only see a woman in a dress, or you see what appears to be a woman uh stabbing and, and killing Marion. Uh we later find out that it's Norman dressed in his mother's clothes. But once Marion's like story is over, her sister and and her, her, her and lover Marion and Marion's lover go out on the hunt to figure out what happened to her, and they eventually land at Bates Motel, and this is where Norman Bates unravels. <laughs> All right, like he kept it so well together. Even the fact that he's his mom dressed in her clothes. Yeah, it's pretty well hidden, and you don't they they don't explicitly reveal that until like the actual end end of the maybe movie. five minutes. Yeah, five minutes before the end of the film. And I is think they do a good job of hiding it because even though I know that's one of the big twists in this movie, it was hard to find holes in that that logic. Like he, yeah, they. The way he like dresses up and stands in the window right before coming outside, <laughs> really throws right, the right. That's really funny. Yeah, I mean that's that's super calculated. But as soon as he's questioned by the private detective who comes looking for Marion, again he un- like as if this is the first time it's happened, which it isn't. 
Which is this is one of my only problems with this film because we come to learn that Norman killed his mother and her lover, mm. however many years ago, which means he was questioned. Right, you would imagine that he was questioned. Yet, when he's questioned about Marion's disappearance, I'm not sure what trips him up, but there's a certain question that trips him up. That oh, I think I think because it's oh, the, the, he said he hasn't detective. had guests in a while, right? And then he mentions a couple uh, that was there last week, and then it's like, oh, right. Yeah, I and then he's like, let me check your book. I have a copy of Marion's handwriting. So it all it all goes downhill. To be fair, he couldn't have covered it up at that point. But he just loses his composure, which makes it so much more worse. He of course, immediately there's... starts twitching and flop sweat and stuttering. And... Yeah, stuttering, yeah. And adios to... He becomes so unraveled that for a second I thought he was just going to like stab the, the private investigator right there. Yeah. And just go like full off the rails which is what he should have done <laughs> he wants to get away with it <laughs> but he doesn't and the private detective dies Mar- uh, marion's sister and her lover come to the hotel to try to figure out this guy they know something's going on they try to get the police involved nothing happens here's my fun fact for you i believe it's Truffaut who said to hitchcock like I, I didn't like the scene where they go to cops. Like where I didn't like the scene where they went to the to the cops and they did nothing. And Hitchcock's response was, "This is this speaks exactly to to what you and I, meaning Truffaut, have talked about. Where going to the cops is boring uh, and nothing happens, and that's that's exactly what happens. They've gone to the cops and nothing happens. Oh, so uh, the cops put that in exactly, which." It's funny because look, we we also know this to be true, don't we? Like in 2020, we know that cops, some cops just don't care about these things. I mean, it makes um, me think and, of the end of Get Out when right. the cop car pulls up, and as an audience, you're like, "Oh fuck!" Like, damn it, this is not what should be happening right now. Yeah, and it just like shows that in these movies, like the people who are supposed to be there to help are like, nope, that's not, that's not what that represents. Yeah, that's not, that's not going to be a thing that we do. And then, you know, we, we come to the end of the movie and I am rushing through this because I can, but let's see. I, I feel like I had another fun fact somewhere around here. I feel like okay, so have a lot of fun facts. <laughs> yeah, they, no, they, they do. But let me, let me say this. If this is not an original idea, no one, no one is. I'm pretty sure all the film buffs and people writing about this movie these days are talking about this. But I do think there's like credit where credits due. Hitchcock, and then of course this is an adapted film, so the author Robert Block. Credit where credits due. Where credit is where credit is due in that they were allowed. Like they they made someone who is unlikable and. And killed him off, like right, like like someone who actually is likable, I should say, made them unlikable, killed them off, and then did the whole thing again in reverse, where they made someone that we should not like, and actually had us feeling bad for them, and we were on his side, and you're meant to be on his side for such a long time. For I don't know about you, but for me, when he killed Marion, I was like, I hope he gets away with it. Like I, I was just like, yeah, I, I'm gonna get away with it. I, I don't I don't want him to have killed her, but now that he has, I don't want him to get caught. 
Yeah, I think because it happened so soon, you're like, oh, well, now we're just going to watch him evade getting caught. Yeah, like you're set on this course of I want someone to get away with something illegal, and that just carries on through. But that's but that's through like the writing. That's through empathy and sympathy for these characters and feeling some sort of like resonance with them. That's so funny and, how yeah, far I, we've come from the victimous victimous crime of Marion stealing <laughs> forty thousand too. Yeah, well, I want the murderer to go. I mean, listen. Apparently, he does in sequels two, three, and four. So, I mean, I do. I, I, I do like at the, at the very end they frame his psychology in a way that you're not maybe not outwardly sympathetic, but you're like, ah, oh, damn, I I feel bad for him mentally like not messed up and it's almost this like i will yeah and this like sherlock holmes like murder mystery kind of breakdown of everything that we just saw but not in like a not in that kind of way it was much more of like a you like I, we want you to continue to feel bad for him we want you to know that it's not his fault which is so it's so strange and so bizarre yeah uh, not only is it not his fault he doesn't even exist anymore <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. The person you thought you knew. Yeah. You thought you knew? No, 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 no. This is the true story of Norman. (laughs) I love it. Anyways, that said, Dan, again, I'm sorry. I'm rushing us. We had Showgirls, which was much longer than this. I'm going to say... I hours about this one. Well, see, the thing is, I can too. And what we'll do is we'll revisit this. We will hope that people out there listening and people who have watched or want to watch will create more of a conversation about this one or any ones that we have. Because I want to I want to make sure that we actually are talking to people that are in this film club of sorts, uh, much more than a podcast, guys. This is a film club. So, I mean, message us, send the voice notes, reach out to us on Twitter and all that stuff. And we'll go we'll, like we'll, we'll do like a, re- a follow up on this one. Yeah, I think this one. I think it should be said, if not, it's already implied, definitely required. I think the fact that we oh, yeah. could talk about this for hours on end, from even just a technical standpoint, let alone story and stylies, like stylistic, man, I'm getting out of breath just saying that. Absolutely required. <laughs> Absolutely required on my end as well. I I mean, j- again, just I could talk about it just as an audience member, someone who has no interest I, I i like i do have interest but like just talking about it in terms of just like what it is as a movie let alone what it is as a movie into like a piece of art like cool. yeah i mean even the the fact that they didn't let people in late to see it because it was such had so many twists and turns i was like oh okay damn that's that's kind of amazing yeah i didn't, I didn't know that that's actually really cool i wish people had that kind of control now but we do not listen that said Dan, I'm I'm rushing you through this movie. I I can only apologize. It's not the movie to rush you through, but I got places to be. You hey, got, places, got to places to be. If you guys want to talk about Psycho, if you guys want to talk about Hitchcock or any of the movies that we are doing, I encourage you to go to our link in the show notes and leave us a voice message to reach out to us on Twitter, on Facebook, however, email, whatever works for you. And we'll talk about it on the show. And in fact, like you can be on the show and we can do this all together and revisit this again. But I feel like this isn't the last time we talk about Hitchcock. October is a few weeks away, man. So we have to, I, I don't know. I'm actually, I'm, I'm thinking oh, about the movies we're going to do for, 
some scary ones. See, I, I won't give it. I won't give my. I won't give my two picks away quite yet. I have one for sure, but we'll we'll see how it goes. Uh, so yeah, thanks for sticking with us, Dan. Let's do this. Well, next week. All right. Bye. Later. So that's our episode. I'm your host Trey Epps. Uh, what did you think of the movie? Did I get it right, or was I completely off base? Leave a message, and we'll play it during our, ex- our next episode and discuss. Required watching is a movie club, so as much as I'd love to hear my own voice, I would love to hear from you guys. There's a link in the show notes where you can leave a voice message, or you can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Required Watch. See you there.